Due to the graphic nature of certain aspects of the Hermetic Order of the Golden Dawn and other occult groups, listener discretion is advised, especially for those under 13. This episode includes brief mentions of sexual assault, including the assault of a minor. Something to note, all of the groups covered on this show operate in secret. The details included in this episode are based on extensive research, but ultimately can never be 100% verified except by society members themselves. At 4.30 a.m. on January 17, 1994, the people of Southern California slept soundly. Christmas and New Year's were long forgotten. Spring was still far away, and it was time to rest and recharge. Until the ground began to shake. A magnitude 6.7 Northridge earthquake struck just northwest of Los Angeles. It flattened buildings, tore down freeways, and ruptured gas lines, igniting fires that wrought even more damage. All told, at least 57 people died, and over 9,000 were injured. The people of Los Angeles pitched tents and camped outside for days afterward, afraid to re-enter their homes. Others had no homes to go back to. The injured, the grieving, and the newly homeless looked desperately for guidance. And David Griffin of the Hermetic Order of the Golden Dawn Alpha Omega Rosicrucian Mystery School explained how the tragedy had happened. Two years before, he'd been initiated into a new branch of the Hermetic Order of the Golden Dawn and quickly rose through the ranks. But the magician who initiated Griffin and acted as his mentor began fighting with another leader of the order. According to Griffin, the other magician retaliated against her. He cast a spell on the City of Angels and triggered the earthquake. And, Griffin later warned, other cataclysmic disasters were sure to follow. It seemed that so long as he lived, everyone around him was in danger. Unless, for the good of humanity, his enemies were stopped. By any means necessary. Hi, I'm Vanessa Richardson. And I'm Greg Polson. And this is Secret Societies, a ParCast original. Every Thursday, we examine history's most exclusive organizations from around the world and try to shine a light on the truth behind these mysterious groups. From the Illuminati to the Order of the Nine Angles, we'll explore how much impact each secret society actually had on the world around them. This is our second episode on the Hermetic Order of the Golden Dawn. The order combined philosophies from the Freemasons, Rosicrucians, and other mystic traditions. They allegedly taught members how to perform magic and promoted its use for truth, justice, and knowledge. Last week, we covered the original Golden Dawn temples in England and France. We explored how and why they were established in the 1880s and how the founders' petty power struggles led to the order's demise in the early 1900s. Later versions of the Golden Dawn continued into the 1970s. This week, we'll explore the society's rebirth. Since the 1990s, some of the new chapters disseminate misinformation as propaganda for their leaders, and they may be breeding grounds for greed, political extremism, and abuse. In 
1934, a young occultist named Israel Rigardi joined the Stella Matutina chapter of the Hermetic Order of the Golden Dawn. He'd been interested in magic and mysticism for almost his entire adult life. For several years, he even worked as a secretary for occultist Alistair Crowley. Sadly, he joined the order just in time to witness its continued demise. For years, the Golden Dawn's founders fought for power. Crowley, a former member turned defector, published some of the society's philosophies for all the world to read. An ill-advised alliance with a pair of con artists led to negative press coverage for the group and even more leaked secrets. But none of that was enough to keep Rigardi away. During his stint with the Order, he discovered a belief system that resonated with him. However, he thought it needed to renew its focus on magic to draw in more followers. He resolved to save its teachings however he could. When he was initiated in 1934, Rigardi swore to never reveal the Order's practices. But in 1937, he violated his oath. He compiled everything he'd learned and published it, his book, The Golden Dawn, was a four-volume tome, released in its entirety around 1940. For over 800 pages, Brigardi exhaustively unpacks the hidden meanings behind the society's symbols. He includes complex charts that interpret numbers, planets, tarot cards, and elements. He writes highly detailed play-by-plays of their initiation rituals, blessings, and other holy practices. Once the society's secrets went public, anyone could establish their own chapter, even those who'd never been initiated in the original Golden Dawn. Their beliefs spread, even as membership for the original chapters dwindled. Rigardi spent decades publishing books on occultism while working as a chiropractor and unlicensed psychologist. By 1980, Rigardi, now 73, became interested in rejoining the order he had left behind. Since his Golden Dawn book was published, dozens of temples had sprung up worldwide. He knew potential initiates hungered for hermetic truths, and he could continue the original order's work from the inside. He attached himself to a new chapter in Columbus, Georgia, run by the magician Chick Chisiro. There, he initiated a handful of new members, drawing on the knowledge he'd attained in his time with the Golden Dawn. The temple flourished, but Rigardi passed away only a few years later in 1985. Other unauthorized temples, which incorporated Rigardi's writings but functioned independently, also flourished. Even some of Rigardi's own disciples split off and formed their own hermetic orders. And many of those temples fragmented as well. Magicians all over the world reinterpreted hermetic philosophy, creating new orders that reflected their own interests and needs. One such founder was a man named Robert Zink. According to his website, he first became interested in alternative spirituality after his mother's death when he was 17. In the late 1990s, he established a Golden Dawn group that underwent several name changes until it became the modern Esoteric Order of the Golden Dawn. Like Rigardi, Zink thought the Order's teachings were just too valuable to keep secret. He designed his esoteric order to be as accessible as possible. He utilized the internet to reach as many potential converts as he could. 
Because physical temples were few and far between, Zinc assured potential initiates that they didn't need to physically set foot outside their homes to join the order. He mailed lessons to members, structuring spiritual study like a correspondence course. People could even be initiated remotely. All that mattered was that their hearts were open to hermetic teachings. That was a problem for another sect, the Hermetic Order of the Golden Dawn Alpha Omega Rosicrucian Mystery School, which we'll henceforth refer to as Alpha Omega for simplicity. Because Zinc's esoteric order doesn't require in-person initiations with elders, Alpha Omega founder David Griffin deems them dangerous. According to Alpha Omega's blog, physical temples and in-person initiations are crucial to proper hermetic practice. Magical rituals can generate powerful, possibly harmful or destructive energies. In addition, groups that claim to offer online initiations may simply be scams. Alpha Omega claims that new and inexperienced students should always perform magic under the guidance of an initiated elder called a hierophant. In hermetic tradition, initiation is a symbolic process of death and rebirth. The new member dies to their old way of life and reincarnates as a hermetic devotee. Griffin argues that this moment of spiritual and psychic death leaves the initiate vulnerable to low astral entities, dark spirits from the spiritual plane. Only a skilled hierophant can keep the evil at bay. And the only way to connect with a hierophant is to travel, in person, to a hermetic temple, ideally one associated with Alpha Omega. Today, Alpha Omega seems to be one of the largest and most visible chapters of the Golden Dawn. According to a study of the group by religious history scholar Egil Osprum, the Alpha Omega blog gets about 175,000 visitors per year. According to their website, they own the Hermetic Order of the Golden Dawn trademark in the European Union. That doesn't tell us much about their mystical relevance, but it does show they're not bad at branding. Its founder, David Griffin, was initiated into the Hermetic Order in 1992. He studied under Chris Monastre, one of Rigardi's disciples, but Griffin broke out to create his own chapter shortly thereafter in Stockholm, Sweden, then established Alpha Omega temples across the world. In-person initiations and rituals are a key way that Alpha Omega claims to set itself apart from the other orders that sprang up after Rigardi published The Golden Dawn. Many of the others are online-based, likely because it's easier to reach a global audience when they don't require in-person enrollment. And there are a lot of other hermetic orders. The Stella Matutina Order of the Golden Dawn, which offers correspondence literature so members can teach themselves hermetic order principles. The Tholemic Order of the Golden Dawn, which blends traditional Golden Dawn philosophy with Aleister Crowley's beliefs. And the Druidical Order of the Golden Dawn, which combines hermetic teachings with Celtic magic and lore. In short, there are dozens of different orders, each with a slightly different culture and interpretation of Rigardi's texts, but they all share a few commonalities. Nearly every chapter bases itself on the original Hermetic philosophies, as published by Israel Rigardi. They might incorporate other belief systems, but they still promote truth, justice, and knowledge. And many of them promise that the study of sacred symbolism can grant initiates magic power. 
Generally, hermetic orders agree that they're a force for good. Some claim that the world is full of evil magic spirits that cause sickness, moral vices, and death. And the only way to fight the darkness is to embrace the light of the order. That's also one of the reasons that so many of these groups openly compete with one another. Stakes are high in the battle between good and evil, and no hermetic leader can tolerate false teachings. Competing chapters fight for your adherence, your loyalty, and oftentimes your dollars. Bitter rivalries have emerged between factions. The Esoteric Order and Alpha Omega have each accused the other of being dangerously dishonest. Both argue that you must join the correct Hermetic Order for the good of the world and the good of your soul. If you make the wrong choice, you may doom humanity. Next, we'll explore the tensions between the Esoteric Order and Alpha Omega. Now, back to the story. In the 1970s and 80s, former Golden Dawn member Israel Rigardi wasn't willing to let go of hermetic magical traditions. He revitalized the order and published their formerly secret practices. In his wake, numerous chapters of the Golden Dawn opened their doors. One of the largest modern branches is the Hermetic Order of the Golden Dawn Alpha Omega Rosicrucian Mystery School. As of this recording, Alpha Omega's Facebook page has almost 50,000 followers, and their YouTube channel has nearly 20,000 subscribers. They don't publish membership rosters, so it's hard to say how many people actually belong to Alpha Omega. But given their large online presence, they're certainly an expansive, highly visible organization. Well, maybe. There are discrepancies in those numbers. Among those 50,000 Facebook followers, few seem to be active. The majority of Alpha Omega's posts have no likes or comments. Each of their recent shared videos tend to have at most 100 views or so. Their Twitter account has fewer than 1,000 followers, and very few posts receive any retweets or comments. Now, Alpha Omega may have a large, devoted membership that simply isn't active on social media. Or maybe Alpha Omega is a small chapter that's good at faking a large web presence. We don't know. All we can say is that appearances can be deceiving, especially as far as Alpha Omega is concerned, because according to what's been said in internet battles between magicians, there are reasons to doubt their honesty. According to their website, Alpha Omega is one of the few hermetic orders that practice in-person initiation rituals. They also accuse other chapters of being fraudulent, defamatory, exploitative, or spiritually dangerous. Meanwhile, they frequently defame their own competitors. They reserve their harshest words for Robert Zink's esoteric order. The conflict between Alpha Omega and the esoteric order seems to have been around almost as long as either chapter has existed. Tensions began in the 1990s, shortly after Griffin founded Alpha Omega. The internet of 30 years ago would be nearly unrecognizable today. Slow dial-up connections meant that it might take several minutes for a photo to load. Streaming video was unthinkable. Online shopping was in its infancy, and few businesses had websites. Many internet users interacted with one another on message boards, an unregulated and barely moderated digital Old West. 
Many spiritual seekers lived in places where they couldn't easily visit a temple in person. The internet was the only way for them to connect with the Golden Dawn and other like-minded individuals. Online spiritual communities flourished on chat rooms and message boards. And as users swapped tips or testified about their occult journeys, it's possible that Robert Zink of the Esoteric Order and David Griffin of Alpha Omega saw a marketing opportunity. They each advertised their own order while negatively campaigning against their competitors. The increasingly heated smear campaigns came to be known as flame wars within the online hermetic community. Griffin and Zink's posts grew increasingly hostile. For over a decade, they and their followers attacked one another and anyone else who dared disagree with them. Their accusations and insults got darker, even personal. Some posters alleged that Zink had a habit of stealing other groups' rituals or products, and that he had never been properly initiated into the Golden Dawn. Since many of his teachings were based on Rigardi's publications, he could turn quite the profit by rephrasing other writers' works. Some argued that one of Zink's practices, the Ruach healing method, was little more than Reiki, an alternative Japanese energy healing tradition, or that Zink's coaching philosophy dubbed the Guarantee just regurgitated the themes of Rhonda Byrne's New Age book, The Secret. Zink countered that Alpha Omega's attacks were baseless and unwarranted. On a private message board, he allegedly complained, Griffin is a bully, he wants it all, and will create enemies to unite his factions. But Griffin wasn't the only one spreading baseless rumors. At some point in the flame war, several unverified posts on message boards suggested Griffin was a Nazi sympathizer. Allegedly, the rumors were circulated by Zink's supporters, who hoped to discredit his rival. And from there, the allegations only became more toxic. Commenters on a blog alleged that Zink sexually abused members of the esoteric order. A user who identified themselves as Mary Williamson said they had first-hand confirmation that at least one of Zink's victims was a young girl. Zink denied all allegations of sexual abuse. And we should note, we haven't been able to find any independent accusations outside of blog posts and message boards, nor did any major media outlets report on the alleged assaults. We have to evaluate these claims with caution. These flame wars coincided with a lengthy lawsuit between David Griffin and Chick Chisiro, the magician from Agardi's chapter who allegedly caused the Northridge earthquake. The two orders squabbled over the trademark rights to the name Hermetic Order of the Golden Dawn. And in 1998, Griffin won in the European Union, while Chisiro was given the trademark to use in the United States. It's hard to say why there was so much vitriol between Zinc, Griffin, and Chisiro. Repeatedly, these occult leaders and their followers defamed each other, all while complaining about the ugly rumors that swirled around them. In fact, it seems the flame wars permanently damaged the reputations of all the Hermetic Order's chapters. History repeated itself. Like the original founders, Zinc, Griffin, and Chisiro drove members away with their public squabbling. But outside of the message boards and chat rooms, a website run by Alpha Omega continued to warn initiates away from the esoteric order. They claim Zinc used several fear-based marketing ploys on the esoteric order website in a clear attempt to frighten the public into paying him. 
This is ironic given the hard sell and fear-based tactics that Alpha Omega used. One of their landing pages, which encouraged users to buy an annual membership, included language like, you've been exposed to what we can now identify as a sneaky mind virus most of your life. It's unclear where this virus comes from. Society, the media, and the unconscious mind are all blamed. Or maybe there are evil spirits who are trying to take over the world. According to Alpha Omega, you already know this is a problem on some level, even if you don't consciously realize it. You can sense that something in your life is very wrong. You spend your days doing the things you're supposed to do. You go to work, pay your bills, browse the internet, and watch movies. You go to bed and wake up and then do it all over again the next day. But even though you're doing everything right, your life always goes wrong. You may suffer from low self-esteem, or you may struggle to make friends. Your love life is non-existent. You lie awake at night, worrying about the future. You gain weight as quickly as you lose hair. The Alpha Omega website says these are all symptoms, signs that you're caught up in an evil conspiracy. There are sinister plans against you. Powerful beings want to remove you as an obstacle to their total control of reality. They make you dependent on technology. You already won't leave the house without your phone. The more you're exposed to social media, memes, video chats, and online shopping, the more disconnected you become from the real world. Ultimately, they might want to secretly upload your consciousness into a virtual reality that's indistinguishable from the real one. One day you'll wake up in another sphere of existence, and you won't even realize it. Once you're in the simulation, you won't be able to mount a spiritual resistance. The world will be theirs. This is just their latest ploy in the eternal battle between the dark side and the light side. So long as willing devotees dedicate themselves to magical study, they can keep the darkness at bay, and the evil forces want nothing more than to obliterate all the adherents of the good hermetic order, specifically Alpha Omega and a small handful of friendly sister organizations. That sounds a lot like someone combined the plots of The Matrix and Star Wars. And according to the Alpha Omega, that's entirely by design. They claim that Hollywood filmmakers are in on the conspiracy. They include allusions to the cosmic battle and the dark spirit's plot in movies, television shows, and comic books. Not to illuminate, but to deceive, so that once you discover the truth, it'll seem ridiculous and fictional in your eyes. A lot of the text on the Alpha Omega website blatantly flatters the visitor for seeing through this supposed deception. It tells its readers, quote, You are destined to awaken from the slumber that this modern world has tried to keep you in through technology and hypnotic trickery. Today is the day where you can break free of this illusory entrapment and take charge of your destiny and become more than human. This type of ingratiation is also used by cult leaders when recruiting new members. The practice is called love bombing, and it's a tactic to get past a person's skepticism or doubts. The first time a cult member, or in this case, the Alpha Omega website, communicates with a possible recruit, they shower that person with affection. The potential initiate feels so warm and happy that they're more likely to ignore red flags. 
According to psychologists John M. Curtis and Mimi J. Curtis, cult recruitment is particularly effective when the target is emotionally vulnerable, lonely, stressed, financially unstable, or in a position where they don't have a strong support network. Sounds a lot like the victims of the mind virus the website describes. Ironically, Alpha Omega claims to save initiates from an evil conspiracy of brainwashers and manipulators. But on its website, it uses manipulative rhetoric to reach them. They promise that for $199 a year, you can sign up for hermetic instruction. They'll send you books, online classes, digital study aids, and even a ritual dagger you can use in your magical meditation. They don't specify how all this fits with Griffin's claims that initiates need a hierophant's guidance. Perhaps you're willing to look past the hypocrisy in your love bomb glow. You just want to join. But the website warns you may not be accepted. Only some people are strong and powerful enough to perform magic. When you send your payment, you're not buying entry into the order. You're applying to join. Then they astrally screen each applicant and reject those who aren't worthy. They say you get your money back if they turn you away. We're not sure how stringent this astral screening process is. It may just be another opportunity to love bomb interested applicants. And when they feel unique and special upon acceptance, they'll identify even more strongly with Alpha Omega. Even with the over-the-top adulation, this pitch sounds like a lot to accept. But the order has several fronts that may strike you as less bizarre, and they use less overt strategies to draw potential members in. Alpha Omega has an expansive web presence, including several domains that aren't obviously associated with the organization. If you don't believe in Hollywood simulation conspiracies, maybe another web page promoting a slightly different ethos will resonate more. And you might get sucked into the society without ever realizing that's what's happening. AlphaOmega.Church displays Bible verses along blog posts about Jesus' secret magic teachings. The .church domain is often used by houses of worship, but there's no regulation for who can access it. Anyone can register a .church website without any religious affiliations. The site makes no mention of the Golden Dawn or other secret societies, but does have links to Alpha Omega leaders David Griffin and Leslie McQuaid's YouTube channel. Magic101.com and Spellworkmastery.com redirect to a shopping hub for mystical charms and classes. It proclaims that the visitor has arrived at this page for a special purpose and reason. Many of their sites begin with some variation on that phrase. It's also an effective way to flatter the visitor and subtly pressure them to buy classes, ritual items, or membership. It all feels a bit manipulative, but who knows? Maybe manipulation is a necessary evil to recruit warriors in the battle against darkness. Regardless of whether we believe Alpha Omega, it's clear that their followers do. Stockholm University's professor Egil Osprum noted in his article, The Magical Theory of Politics, Memes, Magic, and the Enchantment of Social Forces in the American Magic War, that current Alpha Omega leaders David Griffin and Leslie McQuaid are incredibly skilled at mobilizing their followers. They've even inspired other occult groups to join them in a political movement called the Magic Wars. 
Those magic wars are like a 2010s continuation of the 1990s flame wars. They mostly consist of Griffin taking pot shots at other occultists who don't share his political beliefs. He also sells products his followers can use to hinder his enemies' magical abilities. You don't have to believe that name-calling and profiteering qualify as warfare. You don't have to accept that Hollywood elites want to upload your consciousness into the Matrix. You don't have to think that you're destined to pay $200 a year every year to learn how to save your soul. You don't have to believe Griffin is a champion for good, while his enemies are all grifters, liars, and sexual predators. Whatever you believe, the Hermetic Order of the Golden Dawn Alpha Omega Mystery School is still a force to be reckoned with. Up next, we examine how Alpha Omega tracks its devoted following. Now, back to the story. After the original Hermetic Order of the Golden Dawn became defunct in the early 20th century, Israel Rigardi helped resurrect the society. One sect of the new incarnation is the Hermetic Order of the Golden Dawn Alpha Omega Rosicrucian Mystery School. They have one of the largest web presences of all the orders, and they've been accused of participating in flame wars, attacking other hermetic denominations. And that's not the only time that Alpha Omega has courted controversy. Author and professor Egil Osprum noted that in the mid-2010s, Alpha Omega aligned itself with known fraudsters like Alex Jones. The Southern Poverty Law Center classifies Jones as an extremist and conspiracy theorist. He's disseminated misinformation about the 9-11 terrorist attacks, the Boston Marathon bombing, and numerous mass shootings. And yet, Alpha Omega's MagicWars.com website featured several videos that Jones produced and distributed on his InfoWars channel. It's unlikely that Jones collaborated with Alpha Omega. Instead, they just probably reposted his content on their own site. But they use his unverified evidence to support their most outlandish claims. Egil Osprum demonstrates that occultists and internet trolls make for surprisingly compatible bedfellows. In both cases, people who don't have strong connections to real-world communities turn to the internet to find like-minded allies. For example, people with rare medical conditions might make an online home in digital support groups. More concerningly, men who are frustrated with their romantic lives might join an incel forum. The website 4chan is a popular hub for users to congregate and make connections. And in 2015, boards like BMW, which stands for Bureau of Mimetic Warfare, began to attract occultists and political extremists alike. BMW promoted meme magic or a scenario where an internet meme or joke comes true. For example, someone might post a clip from a movie that shows an earthquake devastating Los Angeles. The next day, Los Angeles experiences a real earthquake. It's like the user magically predicted or created the future. Of course, these situations aren't magical or inexplicable. About 800 posts appear somewhere on 4chan every minute. The sheer volume of posts means some in the BMW board will inevitably predict real-world events, especially when the meme references a natural disaster or some other scenario that's already likely to happen. Most posters on BMW likely experience that magic isn't literally real. 
The board was as much a game as it was meant a mystical practice. But part of the game meant pretending spirits and gods responded to their digital summoning rituals. It meant ascribing divine purpose to coincidence and believing that successful meme magic can promote a particular political stance or conspiracy theory. Let's look at that example again. Someone posts a meme about an earthquake striking Los Angeles. Let's say that person claims that Hollywood is aligned with the forces of darkness. It grants the poster authority once their so-called prediction comes true. If an earthquake strikes Los Angeles, the poster can say they predicted it because of their mystical knowledge, and therefore other users should agree with them that Hollywood is evil. In 1994, 4chan didn't exist yet, nor did the concept of meme magic. But David Griffin still went viral in the occult community when he claimed that the leaders of a competing hermetic order caused the Northridge, California earthquake. At the time, he lived in Los Angeles, and he said he and his leader were the target of a coordinated magic attack that created the earthquake. This allegation came out of the beginning of the 1990s-era flame wars, and believing that successful meme magic can promote a particular political stance or conspiracy theory. But they're not the only tools that occult organizations use to build a web presence. Some internet occult groups use a tactic known as botting. This is a practice in which a small group of people create multiple dummy accounts or employ bots to amplify their voices. Think of it like this. Five people are passionate about an issue. Each of those five people creates 20 accounts. Each of those accounts posts 20 times throughout a weekend. Suddenly, an online community will be flooded with thousands of threads about the issue. And it looks like the topic has a large, vibrant following. And maybe botting can explain the odd stats in a group's Facebook and YouTube pages, especially if they have thousands of followers but very little social media engagement. At a glance, the group looks incredibly popular. That kind of faux solidarity can be incredibly appealing to someone who turns to the internet for a sense of belonging. And if that person is already angry and looking for a place to vent their hostility, an occult group's aggressive rhetoric can be irresistible. Members of an occult group might see the world through an us-versus-them lens. So if anyone accuses their order of being fraudulent or of disseminating misinformation, it's like a personal attack. In the face of adversity, members become even more committed to the cause. And Griffin utilized that support to promote his political beliefs. In 2017, Griffin publicly described a series of protests and civil unrest in the United States as a new battlefront in a magic war. He was particularly critical of a group of left-leaning magical activists who were upset by the 2016 election of President Donald Trump. Online, these self-proclaimed witches rallied around hashtags like hashtag magic resistance. They hosted meetings where they cast spells to stymie controversial government policies. On March 4, 2017, David Griffin encouraged Alpha Omega members to cast counter spells and oppose the witches' efforts. He described the magic resistance as practitioners of black magic. He marketed mystical self-defense classes to his followers, who he suggested might be vulnerable to psychic attack. 
In the process, he inextricably linked Alpha Omega and Golden Dawn to certain right-wing United States political movements. We don't have any way of knowing how many members were conservative, liberal, or apolitical prior to that point. But maybe Griffin was okay with alienating some followers. Those who remained would be bound together that much more tightly. He identified a them and united his supporters into an oppositional us. And Griffin's activism always aimed to turn a profit. Warnings that Alpha Omega members were in danger accompanied ads for magical protection. Magic war recruitment calls were inseparable from sales pitches. Griffin's motives are up for interpretation, but he certainly leveraged his political activity for financial gain. However, that's just one branch of the Golden Dawn. Outside of Alpha Omega, several chapters have thrived without using divisive tactics, and they might attract initiates because they offer something uplifting and affirming. That was the case for occult author Dion Fortune. She was initiated into a branch of the Golden Dawn in 1919, but left a few years later after a conflict with one of the society's leaders. But the Hermetic teachings still stuck with her, even as she dabbled in other occult practices, like Kabbalah, mediumship, and theosophy. She studied psychology and tried to develop a science of defense against psychic attacks. She scoured Arthurian legends for magical truths, but all these paths led her back to the Order's philosophies. And in 1935, she published The Mystical Kabbalah to explain why the Order's symbolism still resonated with her and so many other occultists. She suggested it all came down to the Kabbalah, a Jewish mystical philosophy that provided the framework for many Golden Dawn teachings. Fortune argued that Kabbalistic symbolism resonated with magicians on a psychological level. According to Fortune, the Kabbalah and other hermetic symbols have roots in ancient religions. Even though some of those belief systems died out thousands of years ago, other cultures borrowed and reinterpreted their symbols. Ancient ciphers reappeared in Buddhist, Muslim, Christian, Hindu, and Jewish tradition. After millennia, they became ingrained into every human being's intuition. Maybe you don't know the history of an image like, say, a leaf, but you intuitively understand that it represents life and growth. You've seen the image used thousands of times in thousands of contexts. Now it's part of you. And even if you know nothing about spiritualism or the occult, the heavily symbolic texts that the Golden Dawn uses will speak to you. Sure, you'll need to spend years meditating on some of their more obscure truths, but you can do that because the Kabbalah and other ordered texts and rituals open the door to further exploration. These symbols and practices transcend culture, time period, country, and religion. According to Fortune, the Golden Dawn uses a philosophy of unity, not division, peace, not war, affirmation, not denigration. It brings together the disparate beliefs that time has driven apart. Dion Fortune focused on the Golden Dawn's ability to support people and build them up. Her writings helped shape chapters like Stella Matutina, where Israel Rigardi was initiated. They were also incredibly influential for Doreen Valiente, one of the earliest Wiccans who helped establish modern Wiccan theology. And the Order inspired other modern mystical groups too. Contemporary Druids borrow magical practices from the Golden Dawn. Aleister Crowley founded another religion, 
Thelema, which owes as much to the order as they do to Crowley himself, and many mainstream New Age beliefs and movements can be traced to Golden Dawn teachings. Unfortunately, on the internet at least, some Golden Dawn groups overshadowed these positive chapters with their emphasis on authoritarianism, exploitation, and manipulation. Which seems like a far cry from the original goals of the Golden Dawn, but the society never fully embodied its own values. In its original incarnation, it was a pressure cooker for ego and petty infighting. The founders turned on one another and ripped the order apart through their politicking. The modern versions of the order aren't any more united. Online discussions have been marked by name-calling, allegations, and flame wars. Nevertheless, it seems that these magic horrors have radicalized real American voters and shaped discourse in 4chan communities. Alpha Omega has inextricably linked the hermetic tradition with a specific political agenda. Even if these orders are all scams to enrich their founders, they have a substantial cultural impact. That's not actually magic, but the Golden Dawn's power is still very real. Thanks again for tuning into Secret Societies. For more information on the Hermetic Order of the Golden Dawn, we found the article, The Magical Theory of Politics, Memes, Magic, and the Enchantment of Social Forces in the American Magic War, by Egil Osprum, especially helpful to our research. We'll be back on Thursday with a new episode. You can find all episodes of Secret Societies and all other podcast originals for free on Spotify. Not only does Spotify already have all of your favorite music, but now Spotify is making it easy for you to enjoy all of your favorite ParCast originals, like Secret Societies, for free, from your phone, desktop, or smart speaker. To stream Secret Societies on Spotify, just open the app and type Secret Societies in the search bar. We'll see you next time. Secret Societies was created by Max Cutler and is a ParCast Studios original. It is executive produced by Max Cutler, sound designed by Trent Williamson, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro, Carly Madden, and Joshua Kern. This episode of Secret Societies was written by Angela Jorgensen, with writing assistance by Maggie Admire, and stars Greg Polson and Vanessa Richardson. (laughs) 